Well, what's up, everybody? It is Sunday, October 7th, and it's about 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this is new for the MMA Ratings Podcast because we all saw what happened last night. Um, UFC 229 ended in nothing short of chaos. And after a few hours of thinking about it, listening to all the foolish all, all the commentary and all the conversations that were going on I kind of decided just to sit back and give some I'm not insight just give some thoughts on what occurred last night at UFC 229 I mean if you're not aware I'm sure pretty much everyone's aware because I've been stopped multiple times today already asking uh, asked about it but you saw the I'm just going to call it a riot that broke out once Khabib Nurmagomedov submitted Conor McGregor in the fourth round of their lightweight uh, championship fight at UFC 229 in Las Vegas, we saw the outcry and the and the foolishness that basically occurred from there. So, what I want to do is to talk about each each angle that I see looking at this situation because I think that there's a lot to kind of talk about here. Um, after having time to sleep on it, having time to kind of look back at it again, I think that we need to kind of continue the conversation about what occurred because I'm seeing a lot of different narratives come out and some of them are disturbing, some of them are laughable, some of them are foolish, but it's it's an interesting time and it's always interesting to listen to commentary when situations like this occur because it's very telling about the narrative that's going to be presented about the individuals involved. It's always situations like this make me think of the uh, situation that happened with the the Pacers and Ron Artest and Steven Jackson back in the NBA. I don't even remember how many years ago that was, but it makes me think of situations like that. It makes me think of the the frequent fights in hockey, the frequent fights in MLB baseball. All of these situations kind of make me, I like to listen to the commentary and the narratives around it because it really, it's really telling about the people involved and about the people who are reporting and creating the narrative and telling the story of history that history will look back and say okay this is what occurred and this is how we thought of everyone around that time so i just wanted to take some time this morning to add my voice to that conversation because i think that there's some angles that are being missed some questions that aren't being asked and yeah i just want to kind of jump on into that one second I'm going to tweet out this link. Funny because I didn't intend on doing this. I didn't intend on putting the show together. I don't have an agenda. I don't have anything to like. I just kind of quickly thought about this a second ago, let my team know, um, threw on a computer, jotted down some quick notes. And yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about this because there's... Um, there's a lot to kind of break down and I want to look at every single person involved in this situation. So first person I want to talk about is Khabib Nurmagomedov. So yes, Nurmagomedov went in there and he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He smashed Conor McGregor, dropped him in the second round 
took them down easily in the first, um, maintained that top position, didn't really do too much with it at the end of the first, um, but he took them down, held that position, dropped them in the second. Looked like he kind of took the third round off, and, and McGregor got, got some work done in the third round, also committed a couple of fouls. And then in the fourth, uh, Khabib, uh, Habib came out with uh, intention on finishing the fight, took him down, took his back, and got the kind of face crank, face crush. Uh, if anyone who's ever trained knows what it's like to just have someone squeeze on your face, you know it sucks. And you saw Connor try to fight through it, but he eventually had to type, tap to the, the pressure. So that's all well and done. You know, Schwan and I are going to talk about that from a, a fight breakdown on Thursday when we have our 100th episode of the MMA Ratings Podcast. We'll talk about that. We'll give you full analysis there. That's uh, Schwan's wheelhouse. He's the best at doing that. But I want to talk to you about what occurred after. So immediately after the the submission, the submission that Habib didn't initially let go. Um, Herb Dean had to tap, tap him a couple times to get him to let go of the choke, but he did let go. He stood over Connor for a second and then um, turned towards where Connor's team was, uh, where their corner section was. He throws his mouthpiece against the cage, runs and jumps over the cage uh, directly toward Dylan Dennis. I and a basically a brawl ensues there. They're shoving between him and Dennis. Everyone's pulled apart. And uh, Dennis is separated by security and police. Uh, Habib separated by, by security and police. You see there's video of them being drug apart. Then what immediately happens after that is two individuals of Habib's corner jump into the cage. Now, one guy jumped on top of the cage, and Connor actually jumped on top of the cage and took a swing at him before jumping back down. That individual, uh, they've both been named at, at this point in time. I can't um, actually pick out where their names are right now, but they've both been named at this point in time. But that individual jumped down and confronted Connor in the, in the cage. And a second individual, you can look at the video and see uh, he's in a red shirt. He jumps over the cage and gets a couple of shots in on Connor as well before security rushes into the cage and separates them there. So you have that madness going on. Bodies are being pulled apart, and Luke Rockhold and Daniel Cormier are trying to talk Connor. I'm going to talk uh, Habib down because he's eventually brought back into the cage, and you see that situation unfolding. So we are watching. I mean, everybody's watching. Everyone's there. Everyone's watching around the world. They're watching the situation unfold, and you see that both parties are kind of separating the cage. First, Connor was kept in the cage, and Habib was kept out, and Habib was brought back in. Connor was escorted out. You see Habib calling for his title belt. Dana White tells him he's not putting the belt on him because basically he feels like the crowd, which was a wily pro McGregor crowd. I mean, to the point where people were booing anytime that Habib got a takedown. It was wily pro McGregor. And Dana is saying that he doesn't want to put the belt on Habib because individuals will start throwing things into the octagon. Well, I understand his trepidation there. I understand his concern. Um, I questioned it because people were going to be throwing things anyway. As you saw when they were walking Habib out, people were throwing stuff at him to begin with. So that was going to occur regardless of the fact that way, we're way beyond that now. But Habib was escorted from the cage. And we're left with the situation where Bruce Buffer is inside the cage by himself announcing 
the winner and almost like it's so surreal we've never seen anything like that happen you can talk about the situation that happened back in uh strike force in nashville when the diaz brothers and uh jake shields jumped in to confront uh mayhem miller and that brawl broke out you can talk about that but that was on such a small scale compared to this because i don't even remember if there was a title on the line it was strike force i think it was a weekday that that occurred, I mean, it was it was so much more of a smaller scale than what we uh, saw last night. I mean, in, if, in anything, in my opinion, the closest comparison to this is what occurred with Ron Artest, Stephen Jackson, and that fan years ago in Indiana. So that's probably the closest thing. While Dylan Dennis is not a fan or not a paying paying patron, you know, he is a member of Conor McGregor's team, it still was a situation where people could have been hurt, people could have been uh, injured in that situation. So for Habib, the way I look at this, there isn't there isn't anything good that will come from this situation. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was 27-0. and 0. Now, he was a wrecking ball. He is a wrecking ball within MMA. He's one of the best guys at applying pressure getting a takedown and basically beating the pace out of people uh, almost willingly in such a way that is is demanding of respect and the only word you can really think of is domination when you talk about that habib is that guy uh and this was an opportunity for him to siphon off potentially some of the star power that conor mcgregor had built over these last what six years or so if that long so I don't even, it hasn't even been that long, uh, but Habib was in a position to become that guy, to take off a little bit of his star power and apply it to his own name. Unfortunately, many people are describing him as the villain coming out of UFC 229, and I get that. I understand. He jumped over the cage, started a fight, and basically mayhem ensued and probably one of the more interesting things if you watched the post fight press conference he people are asking him about the situation and he's getting agitated like why are you asking me about this i did what i did no one asked him him being mcgregor no one asked about the comments he made about Nomarga Madoff's religion, the comments he made about Nomarga Madoff's family, the comments he made about Nomarga Madoff's nation or, or countrymen. No one's asking about that. And listening to Nomarga Madoff talk about it, it's almost as if he's like, this is normal to me. Um, snitches get stitches, for lack of a better term. And when people talk, it's almost as if he's like, why are you surprised I did what I did? Because he's been talking for so long. And that, and that speaks to the cultural differences that I personally see in this situation that I don't think is are being talked about by anyone that I've heard from a commentary standpoint I've listened to since last night. Yes, Margaret Madoff should not have done X, Y, Z. It lacked sportsmanship, it lacked professionalism. That's not something that the UFC wants to be known for this moment or any moment in, in, in the future. That is not a situation that you want to look back on and say went down under your watch. It's funny, anytime Mike Tyson can laugh and tweet about how this is worse than the situation that he's caused, talks it, it's, it says a lot. So there's nothing positive for Nomaga Madoff coming out of the situation. Will he be stripped? 
I don't know. Some people are calling for that. I don't totally agree. But will he be stripped? Potentially. Will the insect levy a fine against him? Probably. Uh, I was reading that his he was supposed to make $2 million in base pay for this event, but his salary has been withheld at this point in time. Connor's been paid, but uh, Namago Madoff's salary has been, his purse has been withheld. Um, will he be suspended? Uh, probably so. I would not be surprised if he was suspended until this time in 2019. So all of those situations and consequences, I understand, and I'm not fully upset with. I, if he, you should be punished for your actions. So if he is hit with heavy fines, heavy sanctions, heavy punishment, then not disagreeing with it. He stepped over a line, he jumped outside of the cage, and he caused a situation that uh, should not have occurred in this sport or any other sport for that matter. And I am totally okay with him being punished. But that is a key term there because as I want to talk about punishment, I want to turn the conversation to Conor McGregor, who I think is the next individual that we need to talk about in this matter. Now, Connor went out there and he had his moments. He rocked Namago Madoff with a stiff uppercut. I think in the third round, he, he hit him with that. He had some good takedown defense against the open cage early in, in the fight. He also had some good takedown defense in the in the third, um, getting wrist control, even though he was grabbing inside the gloves, grabbing the cage with his hands, grabbing the, the cage with his fence, or excuse me, grabbing the fence with his toes. He needed Namago Madoff in the head when they were both down. So, I mean, all of those situations you got to talk about, you can't ignore. But um, Connor had his points. He had his he had his points of his positive moments in this fight. We have always known that he's had cardio issues, and they continue to creep up. Um, wrestling in MMA is probably one of the most physically demanding and physically draining aspects of this fight game. And if you are fighting someone who can make you wrestle for 10, 15 minutes, maybe longer, you're going to struggle if you cannot keep up that pace with them. And we saw here that McGregor struggled with that. Uh, and that was all, it's always been one of the questions that people talked about when he was coming up, how would he fight a wrestler? How would he deal with someone who could wrestle? How would, how could he deal with someone who could apply pressure? And we saw, we saw what would occur. He landed some great shots. He had some great moments there, but it just wasn't enough to get the job done before he was forced to submit in the fourth round. All that being said and done, you know, McGregor's still one of the greatest strikers in the game. He's still one of the greatest fighters, uh, regardless of weight class in the game right now. We ha we cannot talk about the chaos that uh, happened. I'm going to continue using that word just because I, I love the term chaos. But we cannot continue talking about that situation without talking about the part that Connor had to do with this. Um, he is a fantastic fight promoter. Fantastic uh, entertainer, fantastic businessman who knows how to take situations and leverage them into financial gain. He's done that continuously, um, some of that with the UFC's backing, and he continues to do that very well. But there is a line in fight promotion that I think cannot be crossed. I remember growing up when boxing was still like the number one combat sport in, in the world. It still kind of is depending on who you ask. And I believe Ricardo Mayorga, I can't remember who he was going to fight, but I remember he snatched the Puerto Rican flag and threw it on the ground and stomped on it. And my father being Puerto Rican was incensed. He was like doing something like that causes people to die. Like he, he, 
I, my, my dad is probably one of the calmest guys I know at this point in time. And seeing the rage on his face from that one, one situation is a prime example, I think, of when it comes to how people take these cultural references that are brought up in sports. And that brings me to the conversation about Connor because while he did such a fantastic job promoting this fight and while he spoke about some things that are 100% true, he spoke about, you know, I had Michael Russell, uh, Schwann and I had Michael Russell on the show this past Thursday to talk a little bit about his work on Ali Adelaziz and, and some of the issues and transgressions he, he's had throughout his career. But looking at what Connor said, and looking at what he presented as quote-unquote fight promotion, I'm not saying he crossed the line. I'm not saying this is a situation that needs to be policed. But it, you cannot look at what he said and look at what he did and not say that, you know, maybe this had something to do with the situation. Daniel Cormier's tweet last night um, after the situation was probably the one that was one of, one, one of the ones that was most spot on to me where he said that, for some people, this is not about promotion. This is about their life. You can't talk about someone's religion. You can't talk about someone's family. You can't talk about someone's nation and expect them to just let that wash over them. This wasn't, this isn't him hyping up a fight with Floyd Mayweather. Floyd being someone who understands how it is to be gregarious and say whatever you need to say to get eyeballs. Uh, Habib Nurmagomedov is not that guy. If you look 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 at Habib's eyes when this whole situation was unfolding, you could see the rage in his face. And that's probably like the most like the most telling part of it to me. McGregor talking about his religion, talking about his nation, talking about his father and, and calling him a coward for being linked to Kadyrov in those other situations. That is not something you want to poke because that is a part of the country that is totally different than what you and I being Americans understand. It's not it's not something that is easily dismissive when you talk about those groups. We don't know what Namargomedov's family is going through or has to go through living in that area. And seeing and listening to McGregor stroke those um, racial issues, stroke those national, uh, the, those uh, religious issues, gives me pause and this is not the first time this is not the first time remember what, what mcgregor said about aldo uh before their fight for the featherweight title think about what mcgregor said about Rafael dos Anjos before that fight fell apart think about what, what mcgregor said about uh floyd mayweather before that fight uh and then what he said leading in, into this fight this is a trend this is something i've been saying for a long time yes it's fight promotion but do you have to touch upon things that are that can cause this to happen. Nomargo Madoff and his crew are not people to be toiled with. They poked the, they poked a bear. We joke about Nomargo Madoff wrestling with bears growing up. They poked the bear and the bear got out the cage and acted a damn fool. Dylan Dennis, this is the reason why Dylan Dennis's propensity to speak out to be a trash talker to be someone who's trying to be an entertainer and to be famous quote unquote that's the reason why he was kicked out of marcelo uh garcia's uh gym like you look back at marcelo's comment when that occurred i think last year when he asked him and uh munchie to leave 
this situation speaks to the exact reason why he was asked to leave that gym. Dennis, you know, love him or hate him, he's a great prospect on the Bellator roster. Ever since he's been linked to Connor, this like these types of behaviors have continued to creep out of him. So there's so like that's a whole nother narrative. That's a whole nother conversation. I don't want to spend too much time on Dennis, but you cannot look at this situation and say that Connor is completely the vic is completely like his hands are completely clean. And I'm gonna talk about Dana in the UFC next, but I'm I like I said, I'm all here for fight promotion. I'm all here for guys uh being outspoken, drawing attention to fights because let's be real here. This event was I think projected to do almost two million buys. It at least did a million, I could tell you that. All of that was because of the star power that Conor McGregor has. That star power has come from him being so outspoken, so uh, boisterous, and, and such an act that people want, want to see. I understand that. I get that. And I totally, totally, agree. I, I understand with his star power. I, I understand that he is box office. I get that through and through. But at some point in time, we have to ask if there's a line and if his continued use of language and terms that can cause pause like this are worth the end result. And how much and what is what is the what is the return on that? They are looking at a situation now where, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next with him. Uh, McGregor was already talking about a, a rematch. I doubt that'll be anytime soon. Like I said, I think McGregor, uh, Marco Madoff will be suspended for a year. I, that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me at all. But you have to wonder at what point in time does he dial it back and say enough is enough? And what time? What point in time do you say like his actions are just too much? And that brings me to the third. Uh, pillar in this conversation, and that's Dana White in the UFC. Now, listening to what Dana has had to say, you know, I listened to his interview uh, with, I think it was Megan O'Leary after uh, during the, the, the post-fight show. I, I'm going to listen to his post-fight uh, press conference if he did any I'm interested to see how long his outrage lasts because he was outraged about Conor McGregor until what probably the next day when Conor McGregor attacked the bus in Brooklyn through the dolly through the window. You know, he was outraged for about a day, but he never punished McGregor. Um, and this is a this is a continuing trend. He we, we remember when McGregor ran up on the cage. And I think it was Mark Goddard had to tell had to, had to admonish him and tell him to go away that he's not supposed to be in that era. Era I think Artem Lobov was fighting at the time, and McGregor basically ran up to the cage in the area where he's not supposed to be, and Mark Goddard told him to leave. We know that McGregor jumped over the, the cage uh, at the Bellator event in Ireland and ended up putting his hands on 
Mark Goddard, nothing happened with that. We saw the Dolly throwing incident, nothing happened with that. So all of these situations occurred and Dana White and leadership within the UFC did not punish McGregor in any way, shape or form. They, I mean, they took him forever to strip him of his titles when he didn't want to uh, defend them, when he was looking for other business ventures. At his own volition. I mean, I'm totally okay with that. You know, I'm all about prize fighters getting the biggest prize that, that, that they can. But this is the same Dana White that cut Anthony Johnson for missing weight. This is the same Dana White that cut Paul Daly for punching Josh Koscheck after the final bell. This is the same Dana White that pushed Jason High, or excuse me, that cut Dana that cut Jason High after he pushed the ref after a uh, questionable call in the cage. Um, this is the same Dana White that has no problem coming, dropping the hammer on some fighters, but allowing McGregor to do whatever he wants. And I get it, you know, different individuals get different treatment. I'm not saying that we're going to act like that's not the case here because it is, but at what point in time do you rein this in? When do you say enough is enough and you have to have a crucial conversation about some about these individuals' behavior that is that led to situations like what we saw last night. And what's interesting is this: else. I've been talking to someone about it, and um, I think Luke Thomas talks about this often on his outlets. The UFC has to be careful because they don't want to. They don't want to punish. And I use punish in air quotes athletes when they do things outside the cage they don't want to punish them in the way that employers would punish employees because what happens is that opens up the door for these fighters to say hey not only are you putting us in uniforms not only are you subjecting us to USADA testing without any of our input now you're punishing us outside of the cage you are treating us like employees and that opens up a door for a lot of action against the UFC. So you have all of those different situations that are kind of mixing into this one big pot. But you have to you have to question Dana White and Co. and ask, what is their part in this? At what point in time do they say, okay, enough is enough. We have to get this under wraps. If you think for any moment that the footage from this event will not be used in a future fight uh, promo or anything along those lines, you're out of your damn mind. Look how quickly it took them to take the footage from uh, McGregor throwing the dolly through the bus window and use that to promote this fight. If you think they won't do, do the same thing with this, you're out of your mind. Uh, a rematch between McGregor and Habib would do ridiculous numbers. If this fight, did, if USC 229 didn't do 3 million, a rematch between the, do, between the two would I totally believe that. But I continue to question question the leadership within the UFC, starting with Dana White. The reason being is at what point in time do you say enough is enough and you look at the way you allow individuals like Conor McGregor to behave and the way that you the way that they support that, the way that they allow that to occur. Do you say, okay, well, what he brings in is worth much more than what we would lose if we told him to, to tone it down. Do you say that? Okay, no problem. Say it and let everybody know. Let let it be known that, that it is what it is. Or do you continue to feign outrage 
like he did uh, last night? Do you feign outrage and move on to the next one, or do you feign outrage and or do you show outrage towards some fighters, but let Connor do whatever he's going to do? No one. It's just funny. It's, it's real funny because Brendan Shaw was talking about this all week for the last two weeks. He's like, something's going to happen at this event. And I'm not the biggest Brendan, Brendan Shaw fan, but he's been talking about it over and over again, saying something's going to happen, something's going to happen, something's going to happen, and something did happen. There were people fighting at the uh, at the weigh-ins, if you saw the videos there. There were people fighting outside the arena last night. There's video of that all, all over the internet. This is exactly why they didn't allow fans inside for that pre-fight uh, press conference on that Thursday. I think it was September 29th. This is exactly why they didn't do all of that. And we saw what would occur. Brendan Shaw has been calling it for weeks. So no one should really be surprised. We should be surprised, but no one should be too surprised. So you have to wonder at one point in time, does leadership within the UFC say, okay, enough is enough. We need to rein this shit show in because we cannot, we cannot allow fighters like McGregor to get too big for their britches and and play their part in situations like this. Khabib is a huge reason why he's the reason why this situation um, got out of hand last night. His actions were deplorable. His actions were uncalled for. They were unsportsmanlike. They were unprofessional. All of those terms you can use, but you cannot, again, you cannot look at what Conor McGregor has done in the last few years, the way he promotes his fights and the way he talks about his peers in the cage and not say, okay, hold on. Some of these narratives and some of these situations calling uh, Floyd Mayweather's um, bodyguards monkeys, telling Floyd Mayweather to dance for him, uh, talking negative about Rafael Dos Anjos because he moved to America to make a better way for his family, talking about riding into the to Jose Aldo's favela and killing everybody that's not suitable to work. All all those different all of those different narratives that he's talked about is out is I'm not saying it should be I'm not saying we should say okay family families and religion are are out of the question when it comes to fight promotion, but you cannot you can't do that with some people, and Khabib Nurmagomedov is one of those guys. I'm sorry. Kevin Lee, you can probably talk shit to all day, every day, and Kevin Lee will give it back to you, and it'll be all good at the end of the day. But Khabib Nurmagomedov is not one of those guys, and it showed through and through. At some point in time, UFC and Dana need to look at what they're allowing this man to do and ask questions on, on what's what's worth it. Um and if they are okay drawing the line and saying, saying, you know what, we're okay with these situations, we're okay with these outcomes, okay, no problem, say that. But don't fake outrage, don't feign being upset or sick to your stomach or whatever, when in reality, we know you're not. And the last pillar I wanted to talk about was what's next. Um, it's funny, I'm seeing a lot of people talking about Nurmagomedov Madoff getting stripped of the title and the UFC putting Connor and Tony Ferguson uh, in a situation where they would fight for the vacant belt. And again, why reward Connor for his part in this? Period. I'm not saying that Connor shouldn't be involved in the title conversation, but you have Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz fighting in a few weeks. Take the winner from that fight, put them against Tony Ferguson, let that be the battle there. You can take Connor, have him fight someone like a Justin Gaethje. Sometime 2018, 2019, let them fight it out. 
you have so many options that you don't necessarily have to go directly back to Connor at this point in time. If they do go directly back to Connor, again, it continues to, to force their narrative that they recognize that he is the cash cow and they're going to do all they can to keep him front and center. Uh, but this is this is going to be a situation that is very it's, it's very important to watch because you don't want to because it's, it's a situation where the UFC could be find themselves creating a, a precedent that is used against them in the future. Remember, they still have they still have Leslie Smith and Project Spearhead pushing against them. They still have that anti uh, the, the monopoly case that's working against them. They still have various situations that can work against them in the in them in the long term. And people watch situations like this and their reaction to use as fodder when talking negatively about the UFC. Um, so yeah, we just got to be we we just have to kind of closely watch what's going to occur next. Um, and that's really all I got. Uh, UFC 229 was a surreal, surreal moment. I thought all I would be really be thinking about would be Nick Lentz's comment about Brett Kavanaugh or their tribute to Donald Trump with the combatant in chief special that they're going to put on fight pass. I thought that those were going to be the two biggest issues I had coming out of UFC 229. And then the main event happened and all of that happened afterwards. So Oh man, it's just so this this week is going to be crazy interesting to watch how everyone's talking about this. I cannot wait for all the Monday's talk shows, the Tuesday talk shows, the podcast this week are going to be amazing. Uh, come back on Thursday, of course. Swan and I definitely want to talk about this on our 100th episode. This is a hell of a topic to have leading into our 100th episode. Swan and I actually texted about it last night, and we had an interesting back and forth. So there's going to be that. But either way, guys. Um, I want to thank you for listening to this special edition of our podcast. Please be sure to subscribe uh, to our channel via YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at MMA Ratings Net on Twitter and Instagram. Same handle. I am Raphael Garcia. You can follow me at sports at rgarcia underscore sports and catch all of my rants about the NFL, professional grappling, et cetera, et cetera there. But man, UFC 229, I will remember where I was when all of this uh, shit show went down. And it's going to be one of those moments that we don't live down. Um, it's going to be one of those moments that we're going to look back to just like the NBA sometimes looks looks back to Ron Artest and Steven Jackson jumping into the crowd. Either way, it is what it is. Like, we can't do anything about it now. I'm looking forward to all the com commentary and conversations that are going to occur this week. But either way, thank you for your time. I appreciate everyone who supports our show and listens to our content. And have a great week, everyone. Enjoy the rest.